copy of God's Word, please, and turn to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 22, and verse 7 is our text for today, and we'll be using some other scriptures as well. But when you find Proverbs 22, 7, join me in standing as we show our respect for the reading of the Word of God. And we hold a treasure in our hands. This book was written by godly men and women and was preserved to us by the Holy Spirit. Let us hear the word of the living God. The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. May God add his blessings to the reading of his holy word. You may be seated. Mike Huckabee is not running for president. If he were running for president, I probably wouldn't use this quote from his book. But he has a book that was published in 2011 dealing with some of the problems our country is facing. And there is a quote in that book that I've used this morning as a sermon in the sentence. And Mike Huckabee is a former Southern Baptist pastor, used to be governor of uh, Arkansas, and uh, also ran unsuccessfully for president. Uh, I have a shirt in my closet that says, I like Mike. And uh, I like that shirt. I don't know why. I just like that shirt. One of my favorite shirts. I, uh, you know, I, sometimes I wear it. People say, you like Mike? I say, I am Mike. And I like him too. I, you know, I'm glad to do that. But uh, I, you say, would you wear that to church? Well, I don't think I've ever worn it to church, maybe to a fellowship or something. But uh, uh, anyway, he's not running, so I can't be considered politically incorrect for using him. But he says, very simply, do not spend money that you do not have. And uh, a wise man once occupied the White House. His name was Dwight David Eisenhower. He was known as Ike. In fact, uh, the first campaign buttons I remember when I was a boy said, I like Ike. Uh, he was a West Point graduate, led the invasion on D-Day in Normandy. He was, in fact, he had command over all of the Allied troops. That was a tremendous responsibility. And after the war was over, he came back and entered politics and uh, ran for president and won and spent two terms. And those of you who uh, maybe don't know much about American history, uh, those were great days in the 1950s. Many of us remember those days. And in fact, there used to be a, a show called Happy Days. And it was about the music in the 1950s. Those were much simpler times. And uh, we did not have a lot of the problems we have today. We still had God in our classrooms and the Bible in school and public prayer. We had a lot of things that we don't have now. But Eisenhower said this in his farewell address as he left office upon the inauguration of John Kennedy. He said, as we peer into society's future, we, you and I, and our government must avoid the impulse to live only for today plundering for our own ease and convenience the precious resources of tomorrow. And then I put these in bold print because I thought they were important. They were, they were not in bold print in his quote, but they need to be. We cannot mortgage the material assets of our grandchildren without risking the loss also of their political and spiritual heritage. Ike was doing a little preaching right there, folks. We want democracy to survive for all generations to come, not to become the insolvent phantom of tomorrow. Well, what does the Bible say about debt? Well, we just read that verse that says the borrower is a servant, and you might as well say slave to the lender. Now, I'm going to go ahead and approach the elephant in the room because in your bulletin every week we put it there, and it's back here on the page under our staff, 
It gives you the financial report. We're in the black financially, praise the Lord. And then down there under it, it says loan balance, $8.3 million right there. It's in there every week. And some of you say, well, why in the world do you put that in there? Because we're an honest church. Everything this church does financially is open and above board. You say, aren't you worried about that? No, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't really worried when it was about $12 million either. And we didn't publish in the bulletin in those days, uh, but uh, I wasn't worried about it. Uh, let me just give you a little history. Some of you have joined this church since we moved up here, and you don't have any idea what we did before we came up here. By the way, today is the 25th anniversary of the River Chase Baptist Church. We started that church as a mission out of our church, and they're a thriving church now. That's where Bob and Peggy are today. Uh, Bob started a Sunday school class in our old building on Church Street, and that class grew into the River Chase Baptist Church. Uh, and we're thankful for that. A lot of churches get planted and a lot of churches don't survive. But that church seems to be doing well down in River Chase, and that's where they are today. But uh, back uh, in, in the day when this property became available, and we were a small congregation, had about 300 people. We realized we did not have enough land where we were on Church Street. We've been looking for the opportunity to expand. And there had been a tornado that came through Pelham. This was called Lee Valley Mobile Home Park. And there were big pine trees here and mobile homes nestled among those pine trees. And on a night in 1991, a storm came through and uh, the area where I live down near Wilderness Road, it was a tornado. Now James Spann said the area here was hit by straight line winds and it looked like it because where I lived, pine trees were twisted off and homes were lifted up off their foundations but up here the pine trees were blown over their roots came up and they blew over and they landed on the on the trailers and in this whole area only one injury was reported a lady broke her leg trying to get out of her trailer after a pine tree fell on it and I'll be honest with you I'd like to say at that the next day when I drove by here I thought this would be a great place for a church but we were talking about where could we move and where could we relocate to and about six months later, I was driving down the road, and God literally told me to pull over right down here. And I pulled over on the shoulder of the road, and I looked up there, and God spoke to me. You say, was it is an audible voice? No, but I know God was speaking to me. And he said, that would be a beautiful place for a church. And I said, yes, Lord, it would be a beautiful place for a church. But Lord, do you realize how much that land is worth? And God told me something very profound that day. He said, I have plenty of money but I'm not going to make any more land. And I thought, I get it. And so I said that we need to put the church up here. And I want to, I'll be honest with you, he gave me a vision, and you are sitting in the vision I got that day. In the vision, there was a good shepherd window right where that good shepherd window is. In the vision, there was a steeple up above it right over Highway 31 with the cross on it. Now, every architect we talked to wanted to turn this thing around. And you would have come in down on the lower level and had to come up to the sanctuary. And uh, I convinced Brother Larry Smith and the building committee that my vision was of God. and The church agreed with that. And we voted unanimously to build the building this way. And it's a witness. You'll never know how many people come by and say, I saw the stained glass window lit at night and I knew Jesus cared for me. I saw the cross against a dark sky and I knew God cared for me. This was a vision from God. Now, we were a small church, had about 300 people, and we went to the Lee family and asked them what they would sell the land for. And I'll be honest, land at that time on Highway 31 was going for close 
to $200,000 an acre. And uh, uh, this was probably, this is over 20 acres, so uh, you, you can multiply that. It would have been way over $2 or $3 million for us to buy this property. We went to the Lee family, and they offered us 22.7 acres at $45,000 an acre. I was jumping up and down. I was ready to sign the contract that night. The preacher, the, the deacon said, preacher, we just have authority to talk. We can't sign a contract. I said, man, this is a bargain. This is the biggest bargain since we stole Manhattan from the Indians for 24 bucks. I said, we need to do it. Don't let it go, boys. And they said, calm down, preacher. And so I calmed down. And we bought the land. I never will forget, we discussed it. Now, this church had been in that location for over 80 years at that time. And we voted on a business meeting with everybody there speaking about it. And we voted unanimously to sell the property down there and buy this property. But whether or not we sold that property, we were going to buy this property. And for the first time in our lives, this church had a million-dollar debt. In fact, it was $1.1 million. Now, let me just tell you this. I am not afraid of debt if you manage it biblically. That's the key. You say, well, how do you, how do you manage it biblically? You pay your debt off. That's what you do. And we had already paid off the original debt. And, and, and this is going to sound like I'm bragging on me, and I didn't do it. But when I came here, the church had their original debt on the original building that they had built in the 1970s. I came in 79. It still wasn't paid for. One of the first things we were able to do with God's help in about three years, we paid off the debt on that building. Then we built the biggest building that, that had ever been built by our congregation. We built a half-million-dollar building. Some of you ate in that building. Some of you played basketball in that building. My office was in that building for uh, over 20 years. And, and we had a, a wonderful time, and, and we retired the debt on that building. Uh, then we did a renovation and bought some property down there, and we paid that debt. Three times already I had had the wonderful experience of smelling a burning mortgage. That is a wonderful smell in the sanctuary, the smell of a burning mortgage. And then we bought this property for $1.1 million, and we said if we don't sell our property, we're going to pay it off. We paid this property off with a congregation of about 300 people. We never cut our gifts to missions. We never cut back. In fact, Brother John, you were here for most of that time. You remember that was really when our mission trip started. Brother Sam is here somewhere, back there, back there in the very back row. Brother Sam, get down here in the altar and get right with God. I, <laughs> since I quit paying you to sing, you sit in the back row. I tell you what, I, I love Brother Sam. I love old people, I really do. Because <laughs> I are one. I got on Brother Sam and I forgot what I said. <laughs> now, we had a $1.1 million debt, 300 people, and we wanted to pay that debt off. We got down to about $200,000, and I went to a meeting out at First Baptist Gardendale, and I heard a preacher say, we relocated our church, and... Uh, we had 40 days of prayer, and I fasted for 40 days, and we paid the debt off on our church. Well, we owed about $200,000. This was in August. I came back, and I said, we're going to pay the debt off on the church by the end of the year. Now, we're a small, 300 congregation. Our budget was not a million dollars a year back then. It was several hundred thousand dollars, but not a million. And I told our church, I said, over and above our offerings, tithes and offerings, we're going to pay the debt off. We had 100 days of prayer. I had, Mary and I fasted for the first times in our life. We literally fasted. We drank liquids, but we did not eat anything for 40 days. 
and we were probably the healthiest we'd ever been in our lives. And at the end of uh, November, people started coming to me and saying, Brother Mike, don't feel bad if we don't make it. Because by the end of November, we were still about $186,000 in debt. And I said, I'm not worried about it because during the 40 days, God had told me, that's taken care of. It's done. And to make a long story short, by the end of the year, this church, without cutting back on anything, had paid off a $200,000 debt, and we smelled again the sweet smell of burning mortgage in that old building. And we started putting money in the savings, and when we, opened, when we started this building here, we had nearly a million dollars in the building fund. Some of you remember that. We were on good financial footing. And then we built this building, and then the annex became available. God literally gave us the annex uh, for $650,000 with two acres of land and a building. Probably the most used building in the city of Pelham is the annex. And uh, we spent a million dollars renovating it. Then we built the children's wing. And so at one time, we were probably about $12 million in debt. Now we've paid it down to 8.3. Let me tell you why I'm telling you all this. Because we're dealing with our debt biblically. We made a vow when we went through Financial Peace University, we will not borrow another dime. Bus sitting out there, Brother Paul will testify to this. We needed a bus. Miss Betty's fine, but we needed a bigger bus and a better bus if we wanted to minister more effectively. So we had a bus fund. We raised up money, bought that bus. I, I'm hoping and praying that in, in the near future we'll be able to raise money and, and build a family life center over here so that we can have upward over here in a real gym. Not have to have it in, in, in the annex, but we can have a, a gym over here. And it won't be a Taj Mahal. Uh, but it'll be a place where you can play ball and, and, and where ladies can exercise and have all kind of classrooms in it, Brother Don, to help our, our Sunday school. And maybe we won't have to send everybody across the street on Sunday by that time. And if we raise the money and build that building, then we reach people, our income will increase, we can pay this debt off. In fact, if the economy hadn't tanked, my plan was to have already paid the debt off. But you have to understand, the last five years, we've been dealing with the worst economy this country has seen since the Great Depression. I went to the staff five years ago and I said, with your permission, I want to tell the, the, per, the personnel committee and the finance committee to freeze the budget. And every staff member, without exception, said, we feel like we need to do that, Pastor. We feel that that's going to be needed. And we froze our budget long before anybody else did. The finance committee agreed. The personnel committee agreed. And for about three years, we had zero growth in the budget. The last two years, we've had minimal growth in the budget. But we have become the poster child for churches paying their debt. Because we made a commitment. Every week we take 10% of what you bring in undesignated offerings and we send it to missions through the cooperative program. And God has blessed that and God has honored that and we have never failed to make a payment on time. We've never failed to complete a project. We raised money, bought land, drilled a well in Africa. And today, while we're sitting here worshiping, there are people in Africa who are going to that place, pumping water out of that well. And one day there's going to be a Baptist church on that site. All that was done without incurring any more debt. We are paying that debt. The Bible teaches we are to pay our debts. And God expects us to pay our debts. Notice what Ecclesiastes 5.5 says. Better it is that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. When you make a debt, make sure you pay that debt. Uh, when you sign a contract, you shake hands with somebody, uh, you make sure you honor that obligation. But then number three, and this is a Bible truth about debt, do not pledge your obligation to debts that you do not owe. Uh, Proverbs 6, 1 and 2 says, My son, if thou be surety for thy friend, 
If thou hast stricken thy hand with a stranger, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. When I was a sophomore, I'm not going to read this, because I wanted, but I wanted you to have it so you'd remember it. When I was a sophomore at Sanford University, Dr. R.G. Lee, the famed preacher, who was pastor at Bellevue Baptist Church, where Adrian Rogers was later for many years, where Steve Gaines is now, came to Sanford. He spoke in chapel, and then after chapel, one of the professors asked him to come to class and said we could ask him questions. I sat on the front row. I was seated about as far as Randy is from me, from R.G. Lee. Well, John, I was sitting there, and, and I, I mean, I was like, my eyes were big. I couldn't believe I was standing in the presence of this, or sitting in the presence of this spiritual giant. And one of the guys, I, I was so excited, I couldn't even talk. I was just a sophomore, and some of the juniors and seniors had questions they wanted to ask him. And one of them asked him, Dr. Lee, what would you tell a young preacher boy just starting out? And I thought he was going to say, oh, you need to pray. You need to spend hours every day in God's word. You know what he said? He said, I'm going to tell you boys something you need to hear. He said, every time I've ever signed the note to pay, if somebody else didn't pay the note, I've had to pay the note. And he said, if, my ha if I had my whole ministry to live over again, the one thing I'd do different is I wouldn't sign a note. I had a dear friend who came to me who was a preacher, and he asked me to sign a note with him one day. And I told him, I said, I'll, if you're hungry, I'll buy you food. If your family needs clothes, I'll buy you clothes. If you need a tank of gas, I'll buy you a tank of gas. But I can't sign your note to be a co-signer on an unsecured debt with you. Later on, he filed bankruptcy and owed over $200,000. If I had signed with him, I probably wouldn't be standing here today. I don't know where I'd be. I wouldn't be standing here today. We need to learn. You don't pay debts of others. But if our country makes debts, then we as citizens are obligated to pay them. The national debt on October 1st, 2012, that was the day I was finishing up my sermon notes, had to turn them into Pat. The national debt on October 1st, 2012 was over $16 trillion dollars and is growing by almost $4 billion a day. Each citizen's share is $51,115.04. That means, Brother John, somebody could come to your house tomorrow and knock on your door and say, Hey, John, how you doing? John, old buddy, you've been living in America ever since you discovered America. And you've, you've had a wonderful time. You were a, worked for Ma Bell for years. Now you drive a school bus and you cook down at the church and, and your retirement benefits for that cooking, John, are out of this world. But, John, we know that you and Joe live here. And, and, and so, John, we just need you to pay your share of the national debt. Brother John, could you write them a check for $104,000? Okay, he said he could write it, but it would be a rubber check, right? Brother John, if you do that, you'll be in Leavenworth, and I'll come visit you, all right? Listen, and listen, some of you folks have kids. I'm looking at the bells up there. <laughs> I heard something the other day I didn't know. Congratulations, all right. Is that six? I, 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 praise the Lord. Let's give them a hand. I think that's wonderful. <laughs> have you got 51000 apiece for them? Uh-oh, well, you might, get, you might want to get a night job up there, all right? Listen, what I'm saying is true. 
If our nation owes debts and we're citizens, guess who owes the debts? We do. All right, in a few weeks, you're going to go to the polls. And you're going to vote for somebody. And you need to know what that person thinks about debt. You need to know if they think, well, it's okay to just keep on piling up debt after debt after debt and don't have any idea how we're going to pay for it. Because, beloved, I have news for you. We're all in this together, citizens. That's not the government's debt. It's our debt. We need to be serious about this. Now, let's make it personal. Not only as we approach November and making that decisions, we need to look at our own debt. Several years ago, when we saw the economy going bad, we voted to freeze the budget. That same summer, I took two men, and we went up to Nashville. We paid money to do this. Church paid our, for our, our, us to do this, and it was pretty steep. And we went up there not for fun. We went up there to find out how to manage through a financial crisis. We went to a, a program called Momentum. Dave Ramsey, who does Financial Peace University, said, it's going to get worse. And he said, you need to put your people through Financial Peace University. If you've not been through it, I'd encourage you to sign up and go through it. But about three or four years ago, maybe five years ago now, we put 160 families in one semester of discipleship through Financial Peace University. We thought it was important enough that we didn't do anything else in discipleship that whole semester but Financial Peace University. Was everybody happy about it? No. But I want to tell you, we did it not to make people happy because we thought it was the right thing to do. And I will tell you, say, well, did it work? Let me tell you, it worked for the Shaw family. We got in Financial Peace University, and the first thing they said was, you need a $1,000 emergency fund. Well, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. Mary and I had been married for 38 years at that time. We'd never had a $100 emergency fund. That's why we had so much credit card debt. We got, we had something broke down, put it on the plastic. Well, Dave said, you got to pay the plastic off. You got to have an emergency fund. So we started saving up and we started cutting back. And I started really using coupons and, and, and doing things like that. And you know what? Before we were two months into Financial uh, Peace University, we had a $1,000 emergency fund. And guess what? We've had emergencies since then. And every time we take money out, we make sure we put money back. And we started paying off our credit card. We, we knew we were looking at retirement way down the road. And we wanted our house paid and all credit card bills paid. But boy, Financial Peace University momentum really got us fired up. Let me tell you what happened. We started paying on our mortgage so well that my mortgage company called me and said, we want to refinance your mortgage at one and a quarter percent less interest. And you don't have to have your house examined or appraised, we'll come to your house and let you sign the papers. I said, well, bring them on, buddy. The other day I had a call from a different financial institution. They said, we've noticed how well you pay your debts. We'd like to lower your mortgage by half a percent. I'm still dickering with them a little bit. I'm trying to get them to come to a full percent now. You know, I, uh, I, I'm in the position of power right now. When, when I owe those people all that money, and sometimes I might be late in paying it or something like that, I always paid it. I might be late. We don't have a late payment. We pay things off now when they come in. Listen, God blesses and honors that. You say, well, we can't go through financial peace. I'm glad I can give you a little bit of help right now. Look down there at the bottom. Here's Brother Mike's maximum money. I've been preaching this for 40 years, and it works. When your outgo exceeds your income, then your upkeep becomes your downfall. 
If you're going down in a spiral of debt, you have two options. And you may need to use both of them. Option number one, increase income. Now, some of you may have financial problems, and the problem may be you haven't exhausted all the means of earning money that you can. Now, I'm not, going, I'm not telling you to go out here and do something illegal. Don't start selling drugs or anything. But I want to tell you this. Sometimes you might have to work two jobs. But guess what? God will bless that. And so you can increase your income, or you can cut expenses, or both. Don't spend money that you don't have. I had a family that came to me years ago when I was a young pastor, and they said, is there anybody in this church that gives financial advice? I said, I do. I'm qualified. And they said, well, we need to talk to you. And I said, okay. And they said, we can't pay our power bill. We can't pay our water bill. We can't pay our house payment. And I said, why not? And they said, well, we got so much credit card debt. Uh, we, we just can't pay our, our, our bill. We're afraid we're going to lose our house. We're afraid they're going to cut our water off, cut our power off. And I said, well, are you tithing? Well, they looked at me as if I was crazy. And they said, Brother Mike, you're not listening to us. We can't pay our power bill. We can't pay our water bill. We're behind on our mortgage. And you're asking us about tithing? I said, yeah. And they said, no, we're not tithing. And I said, well, that's your problem right there. And they said, is there anybody else in this church that gives financial advice? <laughs> and I said, no, I fired them all. I didn't trust them. They weren't, weren't hard enough. Because I tell you this, the Bible says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse and prove me, saith the Lord, and see if I'll not open up the windows of heaven for our blessing on you. And I did something really foolish. I said, I want you to start tithing. When you get your paycheck this week, you put 10% in the envelope. And then you pray to God about how to spend the other 90%. And I said, you do that for three months. And in three months, you come back and you tell me, we gave 10% to God every time. We prayed about how to use the 90%. We're worse off than we were before. I said, I'll write you a check for everything you've given to the church. And I'll be honest with you, there was a couple of times I made that. I didn't have the money in the bank. Somebody asked me to do it. I couldn't have done it. But guess what? Nobody's ever asked me to do it. You know why? Because it's not my plan. It's God's plan. And God's plan always works. Sometimes we just don't work God's plan. I love Larry Burkett. Larry Burkett was Dave Ramsey of many years ago. And Larry Burkett had this little simple formula. He said, give 10% to God, save 10% for a rainy day, and ask God how to spend the other 80%. You say, well, Brother Mike, you, you think that works? I'll tell you why it works. This church, every time you bring a dollar, 10 cents of it goes out. In fact, 14 cents of it literally goes out. Now, some of the four cents does stay locally. We do local missions with that. But 10% of it leaves here. We never see it again, but God takes it. And it's like manna cast on the water, bread cast on the water. It goes where God wants it to go, and it brings results and comes back to us. And guess what? We're able to do more for missions than we've ever done in the history of this church. We're able to send groups to Africa and to South America, and to Jackson, Mississippi, and next year to Marion, Arkansas, and Guatemala, and Tokyo, Japan. And, and we're, we're able to do things like that and see people come to Christ. Why? Because God blesses sound stewardship. As we approach this election, you need to look at the candidates. And I don't care what candidate you're talking about. 
I don't, I don't know what the libertarian candidate is. But I, I mean, you need to look at all the candidates and see which one has the closest platform to biblical teachings about debt. Because these are ancient words. These aren't words that just were made up a couple of hundred years ago. These are words that have been handed down to us for centuries. And the Holy Spirit wants us to know when we apply these words to our life and the Holy Spirit fills us and gives us God's power to know what to do with God, what God has blessed us with, then God is glorified and needs are met and God just keeps shoveling out and shoveling out and shoveling out. Yesterday when I left the Cracker Barrel, I found that lady. And I said, I just want you to know that God loves you and that there are Christian people who care for you. And I handed her a tip. And that tip was a whole lot more than my bill was yesterday. And I can't tell you the time that not only have I asked people how I could pray for them, but God has led me to give to them. And you say, well, Brother Mike, aren't you afraid that, that, that you're going to go broke? No. You know why? God is my source. And he wants to be your source. But you have to do God's work God's way. And you have to practice biblical teachings about debt. The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. We need to remember what God says about debt. Let's pray together. Father, speak to our hearts today. Lord, I thank you that in the early service, a young couple heard a message about what God says about debt. And they came down and joined a church because they wanted to be a part of a church that was not going to back up on God's word, was not going to excuse themselves from God's word, was not trying to, to change or alter God's word, but was going to preach God's word as it is to men and women as they are and let God work through that. Father, there may be other couples like them in this service. There may be individuals. Lord, there may be people here today who are hurting financially. And Lord, I know that if they'll come down to this altar and make a pledge, not to a man, not to the pastor, but to you, that they're willing to handle their finances your way, you'll bless them. Starting from the very moment they surrender to you, you'll bless them. When that money comes in, you'll give them the power to tithe on it. When that bill comes due, you'll give them the money to pay for it. And Lord, sometimes I look back on my life, I see your supernatural hand in so many ways I could never describe them all. But Lord, I can say this, in every situation, you have been faithful. And now Lord, may we be faithful to you in all matters of life. And Lord, help us as a nation to look at the dead and to look at which candidate will help us to practice biblical teachings about debt. Lord, I pray that that candidate would be the one who would lead us, that we'd not be led into slavery because of debt, but that we'll be led into freedom because of paying debts that we owe and living on our means. Lord, that would honor you and you'd bless it. And we pray this in Jesus' name.